Hey everyone, welcome back to LadyPod with me, Lottie Morley. LadyPod is all about highlighting wonderful women from all walks of life. It's storytelling for the sisterhood. For this week's episode, I've been chatting to Dilly Carter, the extraordinary organiser who's been dubbed London's Marie Kondo. Dilly is the brains behind Declutter Dollies, the organising service that promises to turn your chaos into calm. Let's hear it from Dilly. Hi, Dilly. How are you? Hello. I'm very well, thank you, Lottie. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. So, Dilly Carter, London's Marie Kondo. Is that <laughs> is that something you get a lot? Uh, yeah, I get that a lot. And I mean, I mean, what an accolade. What, how amazing to be mentioned in yeah. the same sentence as her. Um, I'm hoping that my career goes stratospherically <laughs> as successful as hers. So you know, <laughs> I can only aspire to be as great as Marie Kondo. But um, it's funny because, yes, I'm compared to her a lot. Um, the BBC hailed me as that, which was absolutely amazing of them. Thank you, the BBC. And it's funny because we're actually very opposite. She is the most beautiful, serene character. And I feel like I'm like this whirlwind that comes into your house that is completely opposite of her. Uh, so, yeah, we're very, very different. But, you know, I am so, so beyond grateful that my name is even mentioned in the same sentence as hers. So, yes, great. It is pretty cool. It's definitely cool. Um, so Marie Kondo aside, you are the organising queen. I followed you on Instagram for a while and you're definitely inspiring uh, to make me, you know, sort my life out basically thank you very much I'm, I'm glad and and I think when I started on Instagram all I've ever said is that you know I just I didn't really have a goal I didn't have I didn't know what I was doing to be honest and it and it's great that even one person was following me one person said oh that's a good idea and now it's sort of evolving and it's growing and it's still at the early stages but it's growing and growing and growing and the more and more people I see influenced and affected by the things that I teach the things that I show on a daily basis is just incredible and I'm so beyond grateful for that and now I've got a book that's out there and to get the positive feedback that I'm getting from that book is I can't even tell you it's so emotionally rewarding because I, to put myself out there in a book and the things that I've learned and that I'm showing to everyone else and for it to be beneficial is is just is beyond words for me I can't believe it and I you know because I could have put a book out there and people have just gone oh well I've heard that before I've heard this before and you know oh it's just another organizing book but actually the feedback that I'm getting from that has been so different and the way that I teach and I think the way that I talk about my, my business on Instagram, the way I talk about organising, the way I teach organising comes from such a different place. And I think, as you know, as you follow me, it, it sinks in in a different way, doesn't it? It's something about what the way that I teach and the way that I show mm. is not only very natural, but also very honest, isn't it? You know, you'd probably say that I'm a straight talking organiser. I don't It feels realistic. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it feels achievable, hopefully. So for the people that follow me, it should always mm -hmm. be achievable. That you can You can tackle any of this yourself. So the, for the people who don't follow you, can you, in a nutshell, tell me what, you know, who you are and what you do? So I'm a professional organiser, which means I come into your house and I help you create space. I help you reorganise your home so that everything you have in your home is in has a place, has a home. Rather than everything being scattered among different cupboards, different areas, we give everything structure. We give everything in your home a home, as it were. 
Lovely. Uh, so do you believe in the saying tidy room, tidy mind? Because I definitely know there's there's definitely a correlation for me. Absolutely, 100%. You know, you're sitting in your bedroom now, I can see your beautifully clear room behind you, but you probably wouldn't come <laughs> on this podcast and talk to me if you had a really chaotic room behind you, that would stress you out. Because not only am I an organiser and probably looking at your background, <laughs> but you're also thinking, oh God, this, this isn't good for my mindset, is it? So, you know, when in order for you to feel good and to feel positive and to feel focused on what you're doing, you need to have a clear space around you. Do you not agree? Oh, I totally agree. I know that's not the thing for everyone, but I am very much, sometimes even no. if I feel like I'm a little bit stressed or I've had a, a stressy day at work or uh, anything like that, I will come home, tidy the flat, and I'll be like, put your feet up, chuck a candle on, watch TV, and I can just be like, relax mm -hmm. and just really, and I, I mean, I know not everyone's like that though. Not everyone is like that. In fact, more people aren't like that than are like that, which is why <laughs> I've got a job. Um, because actually, you know, lots of people aren't as organised. And, you know, the way that I think isn't the way that everyone thinks. Um, and it's funny because you always think that everyone must think like that. Everyone must think like me. And that's one thing I've really learned from Instagram is not everyone knows everything. You always presume that everyone knows everything. Mm. And and it's not the case at all. So you might say to someone, oh, well, there's no point me teaching someone how to organise their fridge. Everyone knows how to organise their fridge. Or there's no point me teaching someone about the filter in the bottom of your fridge. Or there's no point me teaching someone about cleaning the filter in your dishwasher, because everyone knows about that. But actually, these are things that not everybody knows about. You know, we don't get taught all these things that we it should know or maybe should know in, in, in the great grand scheme of life. We don't get taught these things at school, don't we? We don't have a housekeeping lesson at school, which we should have. We mm. should have lessons at school that teach you how to run a home, the basis of, you know, things like how to change a tyre, how to change a tyre, how to, you know, fix your washing machine, how to fix a dishwasher, how to clean out the filters. Because what happens is as children, we grow up, we, you know, everything is done for us, isn't it, generally? Everything is done for us when we're children, when we go get into teenagers. And it's only when we go to college and go to university that suddenly we're flung out into this yeah. world and we've got no clue. That's why we're still bringing our washing home to mum, because actually we don't have a clue what we're doing. We're like, oh, do we need a washing machine? Do we need a dryer? Do, what's a washing tumble? What's a washing machine and a tumble dryer? What, you mean the two can be combined? You know, your mind's blown. <laughs> you don't know about stuff. You don't realise it. You know, if you don't put your wet washing into a dryer or hang it or air it, it's going to be musty. And you're wandering around uni, stinking, wondering why people are giving you funny looks. Because no one's ever taught you the simple basis, have they? So I feel like there should be life lessons in school. I think that would be really powerful. Do you know what? You've you've just named so many things that I'm like, yeah, I, I some of those things I still don't know how to do. <laughs> and actually, I'm very, very lucky because my mum is an organized cleaning tidying queen like uh, wow I, and I'm so lucky to have learned all oh, of yeah. the important stuff from her and still yeah. now I'm 28 years old and I still call mum and go mm. oh I, I've, I'm trying to wash this thing or I'm trying to get a stain out of something like what, what would you what would you say that I do I'm very lucky in yeah. that sense to have learned it like that but I totally agree we should we should have it in school it's, it's so important just some, just some basic life lessons, one hour a week of just simple things that you should know around the home that are going to help you. And I bet your lovely mum, she probably says, oh, just what is it? Oh, just give it to me. I'll, and I'll sort it out. <laughs> <you> know. <laughs> Do you know what? If she would, if she lives closer, we she lives in England and I'm in Wales. So it's a little oh, bit okay. far to take my washing home. But, oh. um, but yeah, no, she definitely on FaceTime talking me through it step by step. <laughs> 
So I wanted to talk to you uh, about your family, actually. And I know mm. that uh, your your upbringing is, is, is kind of the reason that you got into what you do now. Yeah, um, a lot, a big part of it. A big part of it is why I started Declutter Dollies, actually, because of my mum. And that's widely known. You know, my mum, who lives with us, um, I say lives with us, she did live with us in our house, but now she lives at the bottom of the garden. Um, but my mum has bipolar. She has had since I was 11 years old. Um, and she has had mental issues since then, and maybe before, but diagnosed since I was 11. And um, when I last went to her house, it was chaotic. And I changed that really quickly and basically realised that I could do this for a lot of people because not only was I good at reorganising the space and, and ignoring the chaos that was her house, um, I did it really quickly. So I think that's something that's different from other organisers, I would say, to me, is that I do, I've got a really quick turnaround. Um, I'm not like, I don't just, I don't do things in weeks. It's not like, oh, okay, I'm going to come and help you move and it's going to take three weeks. Or I'm going to come and do your kitchen, but it's like a three week process and we have to do this, this, this and this. It's like, right, tell me, show me the space. Mm. What is it? Let's do it. Let's change it. Um, and I'm, I'm very much like that. And I'm, like I said at the beginning of this conversation, when we were speaking earlier, I'm like a whirlwind. I feel, you know, my mum's always said that. I come in, I'm, what's that character that whizzes around? I come oh, in, I'm Tasmanian like, oh, devil. Tasmanian devil. I'm like a nice Tasmanian devil in your house. <laughs> I come in, turn it upside down, and bye-bye, off I go. And then you don't see me for another six months or a year. I mean, that sounds great. Yeah, I'm, I'm an organising Tasmanian devil. <laughs> there we go. There's a new name for you. I think having less to do also makes a big difference. And I talk about that all the time. You know, the less you have, the less you have to do. And, and, it's, and it's there in the bottom of my garden, in a physical state, that I can see the power of. I can see how it affects you. And that's why when I'm trying to talk to people on Instagram and I'm trying to teach the people that are following me, this is the power it can have. You know, I'm not just telling you for an aesthetic reason because your wardrobe's going to look nicer and your house is going to look nicer. I'm telling you because I live, breathe and see this every single day in my mum and I see it in, in, in so many of you around me. So this is why I'm telling you this advice is really powerful. So listen to me and if you follow it, then maybe you'll feel the same way. So you do something called a dolly dash, which I love, by the way. Uh, mm -hmm. But for people who are listening that don't know what that is, can you tell them what, what is it and how did it start? So a dolly dash is a 15 minute challenge to start organising something. So just to make a quick change in your house. So it might be your cutlery drawer that you can dolly dash. So you might go through your, your cutlery drawer and think, actually, let me just get rid of all those the excess forks that we don't use anymore or the chopsticks that we're not using or let's take out the Nurofen syringes or whatever it is in the drawer that you don't actually need to be in the drawer like the sets of keys so that actually what remains is just your cutlery as it should be in your cutlery drawer and then you have to find homes for other things it might be that you go through your sock drawer and get rid of all the odd socks it might be that you actually just go through your rail of clothes and go right I'm gonna pack away all my winter jumpers today so anything that you can achieve in a 15 minute dolly dash is is good because it just gives you that little right today I'm gonna dolly dash my car I'm gonna go out there get a plastic bag get rid of all the rubbish because what that does that 15 minutes of a challenge to do it hopefully inspires you to do it for longer or it inspires you to do something else because you think, actually, I did that in 15 minutes. What else can I do? Now I've started, I've got the bug. So it's just that little boost of like, just do it in a dolly dash. Just have a quick dolly dash. And if you think of it, oh, I'm only going to spend 15 minutes, it doesn't feel so overwhelming. It feels like you can achieve it. It feels like something you can do really quickly. And then mm. obviously, once you're in that mindset, you carry on. 
Oh yeah, I love that. I'm all about that. Is it the Pomodoro method? You know, where you work for 25 minutes and then you have five minutes off or something like, like I don't know what it is, but it sounds a little bit like that where you've got an end in sight and you're like, I'm going to do that and then it's going to finish. And actually it's supposed to encourage you to carry on working, isn't it? Absolutely, yes, that's it. So how did you get into this line of work? It is quite unusual, isn't it? Yeah, do you know, it's, it is. And people always say that, how have you got into this? And I'm like, do you know what, I did so many jobs as well, but they were all came back to organising or being in charge of something or or people or looking after people. It was always, it, there was always a care factor around it. And, you know, it goes back to my mum and dad, you, you know, who were working all the time. So obviously, because they were working all the time and I was at school, um, my neighbours basically had me all the time. I looked up, they looked after me. They were the ones that, you know, went fed me, took me here, there and everywhere. And I, I learned so much from them. And because I constantly basically grew up at their house, my only way of saying thank you to them for having me all the time was helping them either clear out the cupboards or tidy up because I didn't know what else to do. What else could I do? And I enjoyed it. So I'd, I'd often be helping them clear out their cupboards, go through my neighbour's wardrobe with her. And she had all boys. So I was the only girl. So I slotted into this family perfectly. My age, the age that I was, um, I was in between these boys. Like there was two older ones and one younger one. So I was like a babysitter for the younger one. And, you know, I idolised the older older boys. And um, yeah, it was just this lovely, I just became part of this family. And as I said, my way of saying thank you was always to help them tidy, organise. And I learned so much from them. And then when I left school, I was like, you know, I want to look after people. What can I do? And I thought, oh, I'll be a PA. PAs look after people, don't they? And so that's literally how simple I thought. I just thought, oh, yeah, PA looks after people. I'm quite organised. I can do that. So <laughs> I went and looked after three sales directors um, and did that and enjoyed that. And then my friend said to me, look, I'm setting up a business, a tanning and beauty salon. I'm thinking of it. What do you think? And I was like, oh, yeah, I think that'd be good. There's nothing in Shepparton where I live. Um, so, yeah, I'll set it up, design it and run it. You can back it. That sounds great. I'm quite organized. I can, I can manage a salon. And I did. And I had this amazing group of girls work for me. And we had this salon called Coco in Shepparton High Street. So then I learned how to do nails and tanning. So I'm qualified in biosculpture. I'm a qualified Saint-Tropez tan um, artist. I, I don't, I mean, I don't know if I'd be able oh, to wow. now, but I know all the tricks still. So um, <laughs> often or not, I mean, my friends laugh, one of my best friends, whenever we go and have our nails done. You know, as soon as they they put the nail file down, I've picked it up and I'm thinking, oh, no, I can find them better now. And I've redone it. But you wouldn't think that now because <laughs> often or not, you see me on Instagram and I, my hair's all over the place, my nails. I mean, my nails look horrific today. But uh, there was one point when I was very well kept. <laughs> I basically have always wanted to be, so I've always wanted to, you know, look after people. So after the tanning shop, I then decided, actually, I'm I'm still want to do organising. How can I get back into this? And so I created my own concierge company and um, it was called Perfect Me. And I just basically marketed myself as this concierge person who organised people. And I went to all the wealthy estates in my area and put these beautiful hand-tied brochures through people's doors and um, eventually I got some calls and I started working in private houses when I was 20 and it just developed from there and uh, then I met my husband and we went to Australia came home and I just thought I need to get back into this this is what I love and then I went to my mum's house and realized that she was in a state and thought look I've got to do this this is what this is my calling my friend who's in marketing said to me you know you need to get on Instagram because what you do is so good and your befores and afters and 
So I, that's what I did. I just thought, right, okay, let me get on Instagram and start talking about what I do. And I didn't, never used to do stories, never used to talk to camera, never used to do anything like that, just posted a few befores and afters because I wasn't confident enough. I was like, oh, no, people don't want to look at me talking. People don't want to hear what I've got to say. But the more and more you do it and then suddenly you just become more confident and you forget who you're talking to. You know, I don't. I pick up my phone and I, I forget that there's anyone watching me. I just think it's me talking to someone else. So I forget that actually, oh God, 8,000 people <laughs> yeah. just saw me do that. Oh no. Uh, yeah. So sometimes I have to delete, 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 especially when I'm drunk and I've had it. That's the knack <laughs> to broadcasting, Dilly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That is it though. I work in radio and honestly, the trick is just to forget that there's yeah. anyone listening. <laughs> and it is, isn't it? You just have to think, I'm just talking to you. No one else is going to hear this conversation. It's fine. <laughs> So I have recently watched a documentary on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it called Less Is Now. No. Have you seen it? No. So I feel like it's going to be right up your street. Sounds like it. So for people who haven't seen it, it is a couple of guys who call themselves the minimalists. Oh, I've heard of that. The Minimalist. Oh, yes. Oh, is that what it is? Yes. Oh, I didn't realise that's what the documentary is called. Yes, I have seen The Minimalist. Yes. Oh, you've seen yeah. it. You have seen it. Yeah, sorry. The, the, so the documentary is called Less Now, uh, but it's by those two, the two American yes. guys. Oh, yeah. So what did you think? I think I think they're incredible. I think how they did that. So he just had his backpack, didn't he? And he just went off. I mean, how he survived. But it just goes to show you, you can do it. And I mean, obviously, he had the world at his feet. He had everything that he could possibly want. Mm. And I think that's the thing with everyone. We get so immersed in what we think we should have, what we think we need in our lives, in our houses. And he he was proof, wasn't he, that actually he was happier, much happier. Yeah, I mean, he was he, he had the, the perfect marriage, the perfect mm-hmm. job, you know, the perfect house. And he sort of said, oh, actually, my friend's a minimalist and I kind of fancy that. And mm-hmm. then the friend sort of goes, okay, well, let's do it. And he got rid of pretty much everything he owned. And he said yeah. it was like, it was addictive. It was like, he got rid of one pair of shoes and then he'd be like, how many pairs of shoes can I get rid of? Or how many shirts can I can I live with? You know, I just find that so fascinating. It is fascinating. And and I often talk about that, about, you know, I, I have, I, you know, I'm sitting in my dressing room at the moment. I mean, it sounds posh, it's not. And I've got like a three foot rail, which is my main rail of clothes, clothes. And I never have more than that. I've got a rail of coats, which we both share, but my main wardrobe is three foot and that's not a lot of clothes and I that's my focus is always to have that I don't need more space I need less clothes and that's how you have to think because I think we're constantly thinking we need more space we need a bigger house because why because you want to fill it with more stuff you don't necessarily need a bigger house you need less stuff so you just have to retrain your mind to think do I need more stuff why am I buying more stuff what why am I buying that why do I need it? Why do I need more furniture? Why do I need more clothes? Yeah. Why do I need more trainers? So it's fine to have more stuff because obviously we all like things. You know, I do more than anyone. I love stuff, but I'm very good at bringing stuff in and letting things go. So that's the difference. I'm not keeping everything that I'm receiving. I mean, it, the thing is, we live in a consumerist society, don't we? Where, mm-hmm. you know, it's drilled into us that we need the latest thing or we need to update or we need to get new stuff. I mean, I'm a sucker for it. How do you, how are you not a sucker for it? It's funny because I've always been, I've always loved things. Anyone that knows me since a young age, I've, for some reason, I don't know why, I've always had really expensive taste. So I laugh and joke that, God, if I ever make it, you'll know because I'll be the one parked outside my <laughs> sister's cafe in my G-Wagon on the double yellow lines, you know, <laughs> so you never ignore me because I'm very much like that. But I'm very good at knowing what I should bring in 
my house. So, you know, if I have got money to spare, then I'll buy investing nice jewellery, I'll buy beautiful jewellery, or I don't have costume jewellery, you know, really. Everything that I wear is really good quality. If I buy jumpers, if I advertise a brand or work with a brand, it's really good brands that I know that if I did sell it, they've got a resale value. So I'm not buying high street stuff yeah and throw away fashion the stuff that comes into my house is really good quality and it's stuff that I can sell on and make some money from if I do need to so I'm very aware of what we have in our house and I know exactly what we have in our house and a lot of people can't say that so that's the difference and that's what I try to teach people and I try and live and breathe my brand as much as possible you know I drive an electric car because I'm trying to have less emissions so everything I do is to be in line with what I what with what I preach because I think otherwise you become mm. a phony, you're a phony, aren't you? How could I how could I tell people to have less in their wardrobes? Yet I've got a dressing room full of five thousand different items, and I'm and I'm sponsored by Hollywood <laughs> or Boohoo or someone. They'd be like, "What?" But you support fast fashion, and you've got so many clothes you don't know what to do with. That'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it? So yeah. I have to try and eat, sleep, and breathe my brand as much as possible to be as authentic not just to everyone else, but to myself as well. You know, that's what I love to do. And I always have done. So I try, you know, I try. What can I do but try? So I definitely need to take a leaf out of your book. Um, and you've seen the documentary. Did you see at the end, there's a challenge, uh, the 30 days, 30 things. Did you see that? No, I'm probably not. Maybe I missed that. I'm so bad at watching my phone and watching a documentary that I don't focus on everything. <laughs> do you know what? You might have turned it off because it was right at the end. So basically, I watched this in January. Mm. And right at the end of the documentary, there's a section where they say, right, if you've been inspired by this, we now challenge you to get rid of your stuff basically it's like the minimalist challenge yeah. so there's 30 days on on the first day you get rid of one thing second day two things third day three things all the way up until 30 days amazing so i'm currently on day 23 wow. i think that's really and oh my god it has been eye-opening i have a lot of crap <laughs> so, so you're every day so that's amazing i might have to do that that's so good I wonder if anyone. Can it's do, that. do you know you've probably not got enough stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, I might do that though. I might do that for the. Um, bit, we're a bit late now already, but I could start that. That's a really good idea. It's really, really good, and actually, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And for somebody like me, I mean. I do have hoarder-like tendencies, so <laughs> I find it very hard to get rid of things. So for me, I I saw the challenge and I thought, that's for me. Mm. I know I have loads of rubbish to get rid of, loads of stuff that I don't need. I live in a two-bedroom flat mm. and we have a spare room that is full of <laughs> stuff. And honestly, I just thought, right, I'm going to do that challenge. And it has been difficult, but I found it so rewarding. And actually, if you add up all the stuff in that 30 days, it's like... 450 things or something like that wow so it's a lot of stuff yeah and I'm already up to about nearly 300 things well done that, I'm apps 100% stealing that idea that is such a good idea yeah. I need to do that I might even start it tomorrow and say to people I've spoken to you today on my podcast on your podcast and actually I've been inspired so there's another idea that I'm sure you're familiar with, which I actually learned from somebody I interviewed at work. She was trying to live with minimal slash zero waste. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she said that she had tried was every time she brought something into her home, mm -hmm. she would get rid of two things. Yeah. So there was almost like an incentive to kind of be like, okay, I don't need, because if I buy something or if I bring something in, I'm going to have to get rid of two mm -hmm. things. So is it worth it basically? Yes. Yeah, I do that all the time. So the other day I got I did some work with a brand and 
uh, you know, I was talking about all these lovely things that I just received. So I was like, right, I've got five things in. I've just got rid of seven things. So I got rid of like, you know, more things that I'd received than I had received in. And people are like, oh my God, you're getting rid of that. Because obviously, as you can imagine, I've, as you know, I've got a small rail. So that's five things of things that I really liked. But actually, I was like, no, I've got now got five more better things. So that's why I'm getting rid of those other things. Yes, they're nice. Yes, I could keep them. But actually, I've now got better quality things in my wardrobe and I've got rid of the less quality things. So that's why I find that I'm very good at being ruthless, which a lot of people aren't. Like you said, you know, you struggle with that type of thing. So and most people do. They're like, oh, no, I do like that. Well, if I, I might wear that leopard print dress again, I'm like, that I will me. always be seen in leopard of some sort. So it doesn't matter. One leopard dress is another leopard dress. So, you know, let me, unless it's a really expensive leopard thing, you know, I'm not worried. My Cooper's leopard silk shirt will always stay because I love it so much. But apart from that, you know, there'll be other things that I get rid of. And I think you have to think like that as well. You Like, you know, like you said, you're the person you interviewed. Things coming in, things have to go out. But make sure the things coming in are always a better, higher value than the things that you are going out because it will also always be easier then to get rid of stuff because when we do go through our wardrobes, what is the first thing that goes? It's always the cheaper things, isn't it? So the other day when it, when I was clearing my wardrobe to put these new beautiful dresses, which are really expensive, it was easy for me to get rid of the high street ones that I don't like because actually they're nowhere near mm. as amazing as the new dresses I've got. So that's what you have to think about buying quality and thinking actually do you know what as things change and I and I'm, I'm open to more beautiful brands I won't have all the cheaper brands in my I'll, I'll just have this beautiful capsule wardrobe of lovely things and it will just evolve and they'll go and and even things I do sell will hold their value so I can get some money back from it and that's the important thing you have to learn as well is making sure the things that you buy have a resale value so think beyond your wear rather than just thinking in the moment I need to buy this and this is what I want so, um, it, well, that's that's how you should think if you're trying to slow down fashion. Why do you think we find it so hard to get rid of stuff? And when I say when I say stuff, I mean actual just stuff. So I genuinely find it difficult to throw away things that I haven't looked at for years. And my mentality is, honestly, I've had a bag of clothes that I'm giving away and I'll put them all in. I'll be really ruthless. I'll have a moment, a streak of just being so ruthless and I'll chuck everything in the bag. And then I'll leave the bag there for a day and the next day I'll go through it and I'll be like, I might want that or, oh, I do actually, or on second thought, I actually do really like that. It's just, just in case, isn't it? Why do you think we're like that? I think because we're financially tied to things as well. We don't like to get rid of things because we spent money on them. And it's, it's very prevalent in when you have children and you buy children toys. That's the most common thing is with kids and people that have children, because what happens is as a parent, you spend so much money on your children they get bored of things so quickly mm. and you don't want to get rid of those things because you think, God, I spent 50 pounds on that electric toy two weeks ago and now you don't want it. You want something else. So you keep on to it because you know how much money you spent. Yeah. It. Um, and with clothes, it is that whole feeling of, Oh, I did, I did like it and I did spend quite a lot of money on it. So let me just keep it. And I did look quite nice in it. So let me just, you know, you just can't mm. let go. But if I look at this bag of clothes, I've got that might be 200 pounds in there. So, but the thing is, you know that you're never going to get £200 for that bag of clothes, yeah. isn't it? You know, actually, you're just donating it. So unless you've got the time to list it, sell it, and it's in good condition, then you're not really ever going to get anywhere near that type of money back anyway, are we? It pains you, doesn't it? It pains you to want to get rid of it. 
because you're not getting anything back. If someone said, oh, I'll give you a thousand pounds for that bag of clothes, you go, yeah, take it, off you go. <laughs> yeah. But because no one's offering you that much and no one's offering you anything, it's all in your control. You're like, oh, actually, no one's telling me to stop, not do it. But if I was with you doing your wardrobe and you were clearing it out, I'd be like, right, Lottie, now those bags, those eight bags of clothes are in those black bags. Now we're going to go to your car. We're going to put them in the car. And while I'm finishing tidying up your dressing room, you are going to drive to the charity shop. And you'd be like, because oh, I make people do it straight away. They would live in my car for a month knowing me or longer. Um, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, out the flat, out my mind. That's fine. Yeah. And I, d- I did it with my manager. I helped her clear our house. And I was like, right, come on, let's go to the dump. Like, what now? I said, yes, now. The bags are in the car. Let's drive because I know you. You're going to drive around that. You will drive around for months with those bags in your car. She's like, oh, God. Okay. Do you know what? You're so right, though, because what did I just say? I had an IKEA bag full of clothes. If I got rid of them on the day, obviously, pandemic uh, Mm -hmm. aside, because all the charity shops are closed. But if I had taken them straight to the charity shop, I wouldn't have then gone the next day and gone, oh, I'm a bit Mm -hmm. of regret for giving that. You know, I'm going to take that out. It would have been gone and I would have had no choice. (laughs) I'll definitely try that next time. Yeah, so that's why I'm always like, if I'm doing a house or anything, I'm like, and if I think someone's struggling or I can see them thinking, when she's gone, I'm going back through that bag. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go, I've got a friend and I'm going to take those bags for you. And they're like, you can see some people are resistant. They're like, uh, uh, oh, I, I might it. just keep on to yeah. it a little bit. I'm like, no, <laughs> I will take the clothes with me so you don't have to do it. Because I can see that they're thinking, I'm, I mm. know there are some people they're getting going rifling through the bag. <laughs> Oh, they're getting twitchy. They're like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I acted brave, but now I'm not brave anymore. <laughs> Bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When it actually comes to the crunch time, they're like, put everything back in the wardrobe. <laughs> You're literally talking about me here, by the way. <laughs> I actually did have a client once that asked me to bring back the odd sock bag. They were like, no, my husband my husband wants the socks back. I was like, okay. I had to try to oh send, my God. <laughs> I had to send the odd sock bag back. I felt really bad that I'd taken the odd sock. Because I was like, I said to her, no, you don't, you don't. And she was like, no, I've been arguing with them for ages about this bag. They had this huge bag of odd socks. And I was like, look, let's just get rid of the odd socks. Let's start again. Yeah. And I was going to take them to the recycling place where they use all the, you know, old materials and um, whatever. And uh, she's like, yes, take them. So I took them. And then she rang me and she's like, look, I'm really <laughs> sorry. This is really embarrassing, but he wants the odd socks back. I was like, oh my god, I've got to post the socks back. You thought you 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 think you'd be safe with a bag of odd socks, wouldn't you? Oh, you'd be you'd be so surprised at the things I've come across in my life, in my decluttering life, the things that people want to get what want to keep onto that you're like, what? Uh, so yeah, but I've learned now to be very, uh, I'm very very pan face. Mm. What's the word? I just, you know, you don't, I, I'm, I'm good at hiding my expressions or my thoughts of anything. You don't see any type of fear or <laughs> overwhelming or anything, even though I might walk into the room sometimes and think, oh, what has happened? What have I done here? This mm. job is way too much. I'm always like, no, no problem. Let's, let's do, it. do it. Let's get on with it and yeah. tackle it. That's amazing. And you mm. get to work on some incredible houses. <laughs> so like I'm talking huge beautifully decorated the whole shebang what is that yes. like oh it's amazing I mean it's 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 no good for Charlie because I come home going oh this house they had this they had that he's like oh I'm not interested don't <laughs> yeah. know <laughs> what, what about our house what's, what's wrong with our house um but no I do I get to see I'm so lucky I get to, and it's so it's so lovely I get to see some incredible incredible homes 
um, which is such a lovely perk of the job. You know, walking in some of the houses I do, I'm just like, wow. You get so much inspo. But what's interesting is most people, it doesn't matter the size of their house. They've all got the same type of issues, storage issues, you know, where to store things, how to store things, how to organise properly. You know, just because someone lives in a £30 million house, it doesn't always make them as organised as you think because often or not, they're relying on you know poor them they're relying on their housekeepers cleaners and all those people to keep their houses in in a certain way and if their housekeepers and their cleaners and people like that aren't organized then they've got no hope have they so they're just going by what they've got around them so they do need people to come in and go right hold on a minute this isn't quite how your house should be um so it's it's very different at different levels but everyone does have the same sort of organizational issues um but yes some of the most beautiful houses it just makes the befores and afters a, a better backdrop that's <laughs> yeah. all it is you know it's no different it just means that they've got more money to spend on containers you know they've got two thousand pounds to spend on containers they've wow. got you know money to make everything you know look aesthetically pleasing um that's the only difference between them and anyone else um but yeah i am always inspired every every beautiful house we go into we're like oh this is so, Dilly, what would your top tips be for somebody who has, somebody like me, who has a room of doom and uh, loves to keep stuff that they know that they don't need? Deal with it. Tackle it. <laughs> you know, take it on. You know, don't make it a room of doom. Have a vision. You know, don't look at that room as a room of doom. You know, next time you open that door, imagine that you're opening the door to your dream room. What would that dream room be? What If you could make that room what you want it to be, and you can do because it's a blank space, what would you want it to be? You know, have a vision. Always don't look at what's in there now. Look at what you want it to be. So, for example, yeah, we're coming out of lockdown. So, like you said, you know, you want to have that room now as a spare room, but you've just had a year where you could have had the most amazing office in there to do your podcast. And actually, you have to evaluate what's more important to you. Is it that someone stays over once every three weeks, four weeks, so you have a spare bed in there taking up all that space? Or is it that you both now are going to be working from home predominantly, so you need a working from home space? What is more important to you? What's more important to your everyday functioning life? That's what you have to think. Because if you're just living for a weekend, you've got five days of stress and just two days that you're enjoying. So, you know, you have to work out what's more important. And and a lot of the time people have that spare room because and people stay once every six months. You know, so what? Get a blow up bed, put them on the sofa downstairs, (laughs) you know, and use that room because you really need it. So, you know, create an office. But you have to have that vision. And like I said, you have to just think, okay, let me not look at that room as a, a room of doom. Let me just look at that room like this is going to be our new amazing office or this is going to be the most amazing spare bedroom, but we're going to make it a functional office and a bedroom or something like that. You have to think about what's more important to you at this time in your life. What would make a huge difference to you if that room was different? That's how you have to look at it. That's what you have to tackle. So once you've got that different vision in your mind, you'll tackle it and you'll you'll do nothing but work to get to what you need it to be. That is so wise. And I'm already flicking through the sofa beds in my mind being like, mm, which one, what colour am I going to have? <laughs> like I said, we all know. I know. In fact, I said to my husband this evening, he came up here and I've we've got this yellowy mustard sofa bed that we bought before mm. lockdown because we were thinking, oh, our friends always just crash on the floor oh, yes. in Nelly's room or because she's always in our bed. So her bed might as well be a spare room. Um, 
And um, he said, oh, I like it flat down like that. And I was like, yeah, he's like, do you think anyone will ever sleep on this? I was like, the thing is, he's like, do we need to get a better one? I was like, the thing is, we all know, anyone that comes to our house, it is a boozy house. <laughs> Everyone is so boozy, they don't care where they're sleeping. They won't care the quality of the sofa bed. They won't care if they're sleeping on the stairs. They will just crash out and burn. So it doesn't matter. So you can't focus all your money and time and energy on creating a room for people that are never really in your house. You know, you're making space for people that aren't ever there. They're only there once every couple of weeks or mm. once a month. That's ridiculous. When you're paying all this rent and all this money for a house that you need to work for you. Oh, that's inspiring. There we go. You're going to give, give me the kick up the arse I need to, to get on with it. <laughs> What would you say is the worst thing about being a woman? I think periods. <laughs> Do you think so? <laughs> because I have the most. I think that's the only thing that I can say is, is bad about being. It's, it's just I think they're the most horrific. For me, they're the most. It's it's the most horrific thing for me. Oh. And um, it's the most it's the great thing because it gives you a baby. But I struggle every single solitary month with it. I have done since I was I think I started them when I was 11. So I started early yeah. and ever since then until now it's, it's the worst two days of my life. And it's only two days out of a month or to, well, if I have for five days, but the first two days are always like everyone knows when it happens because I'm just like, oh, I can't move, can't do anything. Oh, um, it's, no. It just wipes me out completely unless I'm working. So I, for me, that's the only thing I hate about being a woman um, is, is that, but I also am so grateful for it because Without that, I would never have had Nelly. So I'm grateful for my reproductive system because so many people don't have it. But, and you know, they, they have it, but, you know, it's not functional. It's not, you know, it causes problems. And also, if my mum hadn't have had problems with her reproductive system and had a hysterectomy, she wouldn't have adopted me. I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be where I am today. So as, as, as negative as, I, as I, I, I find that whole thing, because also I'm not getting pregnant, so there, for me, is another reason I hate the woman's body because I think, oh, why can't I just get pregnant? Because I see all these other women getting yeah. pregnant at the drop of a hat. And I think, why can't I get pregnant? Why can't I get pregnant that easily? Why can't I just have sex and I get pregnant? Mm. It just hasn't happened. It's been nearly eight years now and it's still not happened. I've had Nelly, but I've had no one else. Mm. So I'm, I'm, that's my worst thing about being a woman is, is the power of the female reproductive system, what it can give you, but what, also what it can take away from you. And, and the pain it can cause and the heartache it can cause. You know, people that can't have babies, that can't get pregnant, people that can have babies, that lose babies. I think the female reproductive system is the biggest, like, it's just it's just one of these things that you, I don't think anyone will ever understand why because we don't have answers, do we, to everything. There are answers, but there aren't answers. I can't just go into the doctor's and go, I'm not getting pregnant. And he would go, oh, here's a pill. Take a pill, now you're going to have a baby. Yeah. Or it just doesn't work like that. Or here's a pill, you're never going to have a miscarriage again. Here's a pill, you're never going to lose a baby. Here's a pill, you're going to have a, a painless child. It doesn't work like that. And I think for the for a woman, that's, the like I said, it's 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 the it's it's just the hardest thing to comprehend, in in a negative and a positive way. It's it's either it brings you so much joy or it brings you so much heart heartache. So I think yeah, I think for me, periods and everything else that comes around that. So the reproductive system. So now I'm going to ask you. Uh, on the other hand, what is the best thing for you about being a woman? Best thing is being a mother, being able to have a baby. I think that's the best thing. I don't think anything can give you more joy than that being able to recreate 
than being able to, you know, say, oh, my goodness, I have birthed a, a baby, you know, to look at Nellie and think, God, she came out of me. That's the most amazing thing, and especially as I'm adopted. I've got no blood relation, have I? So Nellie is my first blood relation. So to me, she's my everything because I've created her. Oh. So I think that's so powerful. So I think that's why for me, mm. I think the whole period thing and everything that links to that, me not being able to have another baby, I think, oh, it's such a battle in my head because I don't know where I am. So it's like, oh, why can't I've got this amazing mm. child, but I can't have another one. So maybe that's my gift. That's my one gift. So, you know, it's, it's straight. It's so crazy. thank you for listening and a big thank you to dilly carter for joining me we love getting your feedback so if you like this episode please write a review and subscribe on itunes or the apple podcast app if you want more lady pod you can find last week's episode with the founder of f being humble stephanie sword williams that's on apple podcasts and spotify thank you so much for listening and i'll see you next week